pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for an opportunity to be gathered here. Lord, we pray that you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I'm going to share a brief message and then we'll pray. Um, the title is, Who is Your Neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And very soon you are going to see um, why I chose this title and why it is important for us to know who our neighbor is. Um, okay, so in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 39, the Bible says that but when the Pharisee, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, tested him, saying, Teacher, which is the great which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Now, if you read the background of this passage, the Sadducees came to Jesus Christ. The Sadducees were people who did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that there is going to be a resurrection. The Pharisees believed that there is going to be a resurrection. But the Sadducees did not believe. So the Sadducees, the Sadducees brought a question about resurrection. And they said that a man had a wife. In that culture, when somebody dies, the brother marries the wife. And so, the Sadducees brought a question. They wanted to test Jesus Christ. They said, a man had a wife and the man died. The man had seven brothers. And each of the seven brothers had, had the woman as their wife. Because when one dies, the other person will marry the woman. And if it happened that all the seven brothers had the woman as their wife and finally the woman also died so the sadducees question trick question for jesus christ was that in the resurrection now the whole point he's trying to prove is that there's no resurrection so he's trying to ask jesus christ that if you are saying there's going to be a resurrection then in the resurrection who is going to marry the woman so he wanted to trick jesus christ and jesus christ said one of my favorite verses in the bible is you are mistaken because you don't know the scripture, nor the power of God. So Jesus Christ reminded the Pharisee, the Sadducee, that in the resurrection, there's not going to be marriage. He said, we're all going to be angels. We're all going to be like angels and we're not going to marry. And so when the Pharisees saw that the Sadducees have been silenced, because there was always competition between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So when the Pharisees saw that the Sadducees have been silenced, they also brought a question. So this person who brought the question was a lawyer or a teacher of the law. So he asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Because that was his expertise. That was where he, um, that was, where he was knowledgeable. That is in the law. So he brought a question to Jesus Christ. He says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus Christ answered, says, the first commandment, the greatest of all, is that first, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When it comes to loving God, 
we don't have a lot of questions about that because we know God is sovereign. God is almighty. We know that God is great. And, we, and so we can easily direct our love towards God. But he's, the second part of the commandment is what I want us to look at today. That you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the question we have to answer to ourselves then is, who is our neighbor? And who is the one the Bible is telling us to love as ourselves? Now in James chapter 2 verse 8, Bible says that if you fulfill, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. And so this particular um, law is referred to, is referred in the Bible as the royal law. In the book of Galatians, it is referred to as the law of Christ. That is loving your neighbor as yourself. It is so important and Christ expect us to love our neighbors as ourselves and so today the question we are asking is who is my neighbor and somebody asks the same question and we are going to use that passage to um we're going to use the passage to explain who our neighbor is so this text is luke's account of what we read earlier in math in matthew luke is also um, given a narration of the same account that we read earlier in Matthew chapter 22. So the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and, and tested him, saying, Teacher, what? I'm sorry, this, this is a different passage. The, the, these are two different passages. This one, in this case, another lawyer came to ask a question about eternal life. The first one, his question was about the greatest law. But in, in this passage, the question was about eternal life. So the lawyer said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So Jesus Christ referred him to the law. If you saw in the first passage, the lawyer came to ask a question about the law. And Jesus referred him to the law. In this passage as well, this lawyer came to ask a question about the law. Jesus asked him again, what is your reading of what is what is written in the law and what is your reading of it? So he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor and your neighbor as yourself. So he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will leave. So the lawyer got the answer right because of course, he is somebody who is an expert in the law. So he was able to answer correctly that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. And the next one is to love your neighbor as yourself. In the earlier passage, the Bible tells us that on these two hangs all the law. So every single law that you ever read in the Bible hangs on these two things. That you shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you love the Lord your God and you love your neighbor, you fulfill all the other requirements of the law. And that is why they are pointed out as the greatest commandment in the law. And that is why in this dispensation, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God shares the love of God abroad in our heart. The Spirit enables us to love. And so this lawyer brought the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus asked him, Jesus referred him to the law. He says, what, is, what do you read in the law? What is your understanding of it? And so he answered correctly. And he, Jesus told him, do this and then you leave. So the Bible says in verse 29, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? 
So the the question the guy came to ask Jesus a question, not because he wanted to learn. First, because he wanted to test Jesus. Second, he wanted to justify himself. Believing or hoping that he'll be able to trick Jesus Christ and Jesus will not be able to answer the question. So then he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Even though the question this guy asked, he had a bad motive for asking this question. I believe that it was important for this aspect to be clarified for us as believers because the Bible expects us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So then we ask, who is that neighbor that we are supposed to love as ourselves? If we are able to define the neighbor that we are supposed to love as ourselves, then we can find out if we are really loving our neighbor, our neighbor as ourselves. Because the Bible says, on this hangs all the law. And this is the royal law. This is the law of Christ. That Christ expects us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So the question this lawyer asks is actually of great benefit to us. And in answering the question, Jesus told him a story. I mean, the fact that Jesus pointed out Jericho and Jerusalem and pointed out Samaria and all those things is believed that this is not just a parable, even though it is called a parable in the Bible. It's not just a parable because a parable usually does not have characters jesus do not point characters and does not point locations when he's saying um when he's um saying a parable but this particular story is believed that it's actually happened but then the bible calls it a parable so jesus told him what we what we we all know as the parable of um the good samaritan so in verse 30 the man wanting to justify himself asked jesus who is my neighbor and Jesus in verse 30 said, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side but a certain samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion so he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine and set him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him on the next day when he departed he took out two denarii gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. And so the lawyer, trying to justify himself, asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because if Jesus is saying that I should love my neighbor as myself, then who is my neighbor? Who is the person that I'm supposed to love? And Jesus told him this story. As a matter of fact, we have come to, um, we have now glorified the word Samaritan. And so we, we, we see people, we call them somebody who does a good, a good, um, Somebody who, a stranger who does anything good to another person, then we'll say, oh, that person is a good Samaritan. But in the Bible days, when people wanted to insult a Jewish man, so that 
at a point they called Jesus a Samaritan. That was an insult because the Samaritans were seen as people who were not 100% Jews. Their background, they were, again, they saw them as people who were, who betrayed the nation of Israel. And so when they wanted to insult an Israelite, when they wanted to say something that is hateful to an Israelite, they would call him a Samaritan. Because the Israelites and the Samaritans did not have a good relationship. Anytime I read this particular text, anytime I study about the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jewish people, what comes to my mind is racism and how Jesus Christ dealt with it. So the Jewish people saw that the Jewish people taught to themselves that they were better than the Samaritan people because the Samaritan people were like a mixed breed. They were not proper Jews because they, from their background, they had some of the Jewish people had married um, some of the Gentiles and given birth to the Samaritans. And so at a point, when the Pharisees wanted to insult and despise Jesus Christ, they called him a Samaritan. So in 21st century, when you call somebody a good Samaritan, you are saying something good about the person. But I want you to understand that in the Bible days, when they said somebody was a Samaritan, then that person was somebody that people didn't like. The Jewish people did not like such a person. And to prove that to you, let's go to, we'll come back to this text, but let's go to John. John chapter 4 verse 9, when Jesus Christ met the woman at the well, the woman said to Jesus, when Jesus asked water from the woman, the woman said that, in, in verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew, Ask drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For the Jews have no dealings with a Samaritan. So the Jews and the Samaritans were not in a good relationship. The Jewish people saw the despised the Samaritan people. And the Samaritan people were also competing with the Jewish people. Because if you read the account of John chapter 4 again, the Samaritan people have set up a temple in their mountain where they worship God. They also say they worship the God of Israel. But Israel, the Israelites also believed that God was supposed to be worshipped in Jerusalem. And so the Samaritan people and the Jewish people did not have a good relationship. They were like enemies. There was something like a racial tension between these two people. So when Jesus told the story, this story to the Jewish man, he said that first of all, this there was a certain man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so this was a Jewish man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. So to the Jewish people, when you do good to a Jewish man, you consider a Jewish man as your friend, as your neighbor, as somebody who you are in the same family with. I'm just trying to give a background of the story so that we understand the whole story. So when a Jewish man does good to a Jewish man, they are happy, they are excited because to them, they are doing good to somebody who is a child of the covenant, somebody who is part of their bloodline, somebody who was their family member or somebody who they saw as a child of God. And so it was easy for a Jewish man to do good to another Jewish man. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves. It is easy for us to do good to people who are in the same race as we are. Or sometimes it is good to it is easy to do good to people because they are Christians. Or it is good it is easy for us to do good to people because they speak they speak um 
good about us or they say good things about us. In the same vein, it was easy for a Jewish man to do good to another Jewish man. And so, the Bible says, This man fell among thieves, and then the first person who came to pass by was the priest, who is a Jewish priest. This was a man who was half dead or who was dying. But the priest came and passed by this man. Why? Because this man was at a place where he needed help and he needed somebody to show him mercy and somebody to show some kindness to him. But the priest, who we all thought would have been the best person to care about other people, to take care of other people when they are in need. The Bible says the priest came and he passed by. This is a Jewish man treating another Jewish man this way. And not just an ordinary Jewish man, but this is a Jewish priest who saw another man who was in need and needed help. But the Bible says he passed by. He did not help this man. He just left him. So in verse 30, the Bible says that Jesus said, A certain man went down to Jerusalem from, Jer- uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and they stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So when that man came there, when the priest came there, this man was half dead. He was dying. But the priest, maybe he was late for his service. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves. That we go through religion and we neglect people who actually need the love of God. We are busy doing religious things and we neglect people who we are supposed to cater for. If we are really Christians, if we are really followers of God. This man was in a hurry to go for his church service. He met somebody who needed help. He just left him there and he went away. And the Bible says, likewise a Levite. So the Levites were people were, were the people who were seen. So every priest will come from the family of Levi because the Levites were the family who were reserved to be priests. And so being coming from that family was an honor because the family was seen as the family that the priest should come from. And so this Levite also came to the place and passed by. These are Jewish people treating other Jewish, another Jewish man the same way. But the Bible says that the Samaritan man, the Samaritan man came to that place and he met this one. First of all, you need to understand that the Samaritan man has no reason at all to help this man. Because this was a man that they were not in a good term. They were not in good terms. These were people that this Jewish man is coming from a culture that despises the Samaritan people. And so the Samaritan man was despised in the eyes of the Jewish people. And so when he got there, a person who despised you, a person who sees himself as your enemy, was in need and needed help, was half dead. But this Samaritan man did not look at the racial tension between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. He did not look at the religious tension between them, but he stopped and helped this man. Bible says that he had compassion over him. And so as the Jewish people came and met their fellow countrymen in need and they left him, 
The Samaritan man had compassion over him. And Jesus Christ used this story to tell us who our neighbor is. To the Jewish man, they only thought that their neighbor is the fellow Jewish man. And so even if you read the Bible, at some point, Jesus Christ told the disciples that do not go to the Samaritan people. Do not preach in the Samaritan areas. Just preach to the Jewish people. Because at that point, the Jewish people saw the Samaritan people as their enemies. And so anytime you think about the racial tension that we have in this generation, the first thing you need to think about is what would Jesus have done? There's no way we can ever use darkness to overcome darkness. Where there is darkness, there has to be light. That is the only way we overcome darkness with light. And so Jesus Christ God um, told them this story to point out that your neighbor is not just your fellow countryman. Your neighbor is not just the person who agrees with you. Your neighbor is not just the person who likes you or who loves you. Because this Samaritan man, who the Jewish people didn't like, even the Jewish people who came and they met this, their fellow Jewish man, they left him. But this Samaritan man, who the Jewish people didn't like, took the time, stopped and showed compassion, showed love to this man who was half dead. The Bible says, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine and set him on his own animal. And so now the Samaritan man had given his camel or his horse or whatever he was using to travel to this man who had been beaten, put him on the animal and then he walked. That is a great demonstration of love. You can imagine if somebody that you really hated was in need, was at a point of dying, I'm sure you would have said, ah, this is God punishing my enemies. That's how most some Christians will say now, God is punishing my enemies. <laughs> because these are the people that I'm praying against. And today I've found one of them here. He's half dead. Some Christians will have concluded that that was God punishing their enemies for them. but what we are supposed to do is to show love to people who are in need and so he took him he bandaged his wounds he put ointment on his wounds he put him on his animal his camel and then he took him to an inn and they took care of him and he said he he paid for the cost and he says I'm going to come back if anything happens I'm going to pay again I'm, going, I'm ready to pay extra for this man. And Jesus asks a simple question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? I'm sure that at this point, the Jewish people who were hearing this story, it was new to them. Because to them, their neighbor is the Jewish man. They only have to do good to the Jewish man. If you are not a Jewish man, they are not obliged. They are not under any obligation to do good to you. And sometimes that's how we think as Christians. That we only do good to people who agree with us. And we don't do good to people who disagree with us. And so sometimes as Christians, we are tempted to do good to only believers or to Christians. But an unbeliever, we cannot do good to that person. So tonight, today... The question is, who is your neighbor? Just like this law, this lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? Who is the one that the Jesus Christ expects me to love as myself? Is it the fellow believer 
or the person who agrees with me or the person who is nice to me. Sometimes we might be tempted to just love people or do good to the people who are nice to us. And we sometimes think that the requirement to love your neighbor as yourself does not cover people who disagree with us, does not cover people who hate us, or does not cover people who are hostile to us. But Jesus explained this. um, Jesus told this parable to explain that your neighbor is anyone that you can show kindness to. Your neighbor is anyone at all that you can help. The people who hate you, the people who you don't like, are these people you can be nice to? Are these people who need your help that you can help? So the question Jesus then asked this lawyer was, who, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? So the man who, f- who fell among the thieves was a Jewish man. The two other people who came to pass by were Jewish people. But the Samaritan man, who, were, who, who was um, the Samaritan man who was at loggerheads with the Jewish people was the man who stood there to help him. So Jesus said, amongst these three people, who do you think was a neighbor to the man who was, who was in? Ordinary, if we don't know this story, you would have said is that Jewish people, Jewish people are neighbors to one another or they are friends or they are brothers. If we did not hear this story, we would have said that the priest is the neighbor to the man who had been beaten. But the neighbor to the man who had been beaten was the one who had mercy on him, was the one who showed kindness to him. And so as we are praying for friends and families, like I said the other time, don't limit your mind to only the people that like you. (laughs) Don't limit your mind to the family members that are nice to you. Don't limit your mind to the neighbors who are kind to you. But then you have to understand That as a child of God, the Bible expects you to love your neighbors as yourself. And your neighbor is anyone that you can show kindness to. So when the Bible says you should love your neighbor as yourself, it does not refer to Christians. It does not refer to people who agree with you. It does not refer to people who you call your friends. It refers to everyone in this world. We are required to love everyone as ourselves. And so as we pray for the salvation of our friends, the question this morning I wanted us to answer is, who is that friend that we are supposed to pray for? We can extend it by praying for every other person in this world. Yes, we might not know the names of every other person in this world, but the Bible actually expects us to pray for all men so when you read in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says that I ask that prayer should be made for all men. So as a child of God, sometimes you just have to sit and pray for all men. Yes, there might be people you never know. People, there are people you've never met before, but you can still pray for them as a child of God. When you pray for the body of Christ, when you pray for people, um, unbelievers in your city, unbelievers in the nation, unbelievers in, in even in the states that you live in. You are praying for people. You might you might never meet some of the people you pray for. But when you get to heaven, you'll be surprised that the prayers you prayed for those people actually worked and brought salvation to them. And so when we talk about our neighbors, let's not restrict ourselves to the people we know, the people who are nice to us. 
and the people who will accept us. But let's pray for all men because that is what Jesus expects us to do. Your neighbor is anyone you can show kindness to, anyone that you can show mercy to. So the answer the lawyer gave is he said he who showed mercy on him. So the neighbor of the man who was beaten was the one who showed mercy on him. So can you show mercy to people in your community? Can you show mercy to people who don't like you, people who disagree with you, people who hate you or who have done things that hurt you? Can you extend mercy to these people? All these people are the neighbors that the Bible expects you to love as yourself. If you have not taken time to, to actually think about these things, you will think that your neighbor is just the one who agrees with you. When the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, then the Bible is referring to the fellow Christian. But no, the Bible expects you to love every other person as you love yourself. And so this morning, as we go again into prayer, and as we pray for the salvation of our friends and our family members, I want us to extend this prayer to people in our community. I want us to extend this prayer to, the, to, to people that we've never met, people who are under the bondage of the enemy. I just want us to extend this prayer. And like I said earlier, believe that the prayers that you are praying, they are not in vain, but God is going to use those prayers to deliver people and to bring salvation to people. And so we're going to get into prayer again. Pray for the salvation of our, our family members, and of our friends so i want us to first of all start by praying for our family members those who don't know jesus christ those who are not saved let's just lift our prayers for them and trust that the power of god will touch them that they will hear the gospel they will turn over their hearts to jesus christ and they will be saved and they will be delivered so let's lift our prayers now first of all for our family members in the name of jesus let's begin to pray Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory, O God.